Welcome back to another episode of Tales in the Cartridge, the video game storytelling podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Penrod. And I am your other co-host, Ryan Bauer. Ryan, I just botched our first intro. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> I'm trying not to laugh. <laughs> uh, uh, it's another rainy day here in Maine. I, yeah. And I swore I wouldn't talk about the weather. I'm, I'm already failing miserably at this podcast. So Ryan, how great. are you? And how? And, uh, what have you been playing? Uh, I'm doing I'm doing pretty good today. We'll see what next week brings. But today, I'm doing I'm doing good. I, I woke up at my usual time far too early and I finished the script and just been hanging out. And as far as we've been playing, we dived in at the end of last episode, we talked about wanting to play some superhero stuff and together. So we dived into Marvel's Avengers uh, and that's, I've actually been really enjoying it. Both like the gameplay Mm -hmm. has been more fun than I was expecting. And the story is okay. I like the direction because it's different than what I think of when I think of the Avengers and that superhero thing. So you'll, I think I'm a little farther than you. So I'm interested to see what you think when you get there. Um, and then kind of we're at the end of the season of destiny. So I'm just kind of pitsing up some bits and bobs and definite and doing some bounties and, and finishing things up to prepare for next season, which comes out next month. So that's exciting. And then I played a little bit of outriders, um, last week. We don't play much or on Monday or on Tuesday or whatever day we were going to play Avengers. I played outriders the other day or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, so that's what I've been playing. Nice. Very good. Yeah. 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 What about you? I'm good. I'm doing okay. Uh, been a little crazy, but I think like I say that all the time. It's just life, you know? I feel like you hit that mark in your life and things just get crazy. And probably they're not. <laughs> in retrospect, you look back like, it wasn't that bad. But in the moment, you're like, ah! Freaking out. Um, sorry, Sorgas, for yelling in your ear. Uh, yeah, no, I'm good. Uh, for what I've been playing, yeah, we've been playing Marvel's Avengers. We tried it once so far, but we're definitely going to play again. I've, I actually liked it more than I thought. I, I yeah, mean, me too. The look of it definitely still isn't jiving with me a whole lot. I think there are times like Captain America looks... I, I've been playing primarily as Captain America in our multiplayer missions. And there are times like, wow, Captain America is so cool. I love his moveset. I love what he does with this stuff. And then there are times he's in like, the loading screen he's like doing his like weird like shadow boxing thing. And like, he looks a little wonky. Like, he looks a little strange. <laughs> but like, so there are times when I'm just like pulled out of it, I guess, a little bit. But mm-hmm. gameplay wise, it's definitely a lot of fun. I've been enjoying playing with you probably more than the story, the single player story. And I think you are definitely farther than me. I kind of the yeah. very, oh, I passed like the opening a little bit, um, which I wasn't super into the opening because Kamala's low key annoying. Um, and I get it. They want to try something <laughs> different. You're kind of from the aspect of being yeah. a fan of the Avengers. And I think it's a really good idea. It's just, she talks to herself a lot in a weird way, which is, again, you're trying to convey this thing to the, the person playing the game. It's a store. It's a video game like thing, you know, and I get that. Um, <laughs> But I can only listen to Kamala talk to herself so much before I'm like, okay, I need to like get past this part. I'm gonna lose my mind. Um, yeah. She needs to start stretching, beating people up, or else I'm just gonna be like, I'm over it. Multiplayer only. Um, but no. Yeah, and she does, and I think she's like maybe the best, strongest hero. Really? There. Yeah, just because of her range. I mean, we don't need to talk about it right now, but yeah, no, I get, the, I, I hear you there. And it, it story wise, it does get better. They, they explore some really interesting things, like. Not to spoil anything, but it, the whole concept is like something happens, the Avengers effectively make a mistake, and then the world is angry at them. And that's not spoiling, that's like yeah. the conceit of the game. Um, and then how they explore that and the interpersonal with like one Avenger said, yeah, we're a danger to the people. Other Avengers like, what are you doing? Why are you throwing under the bus like this? And there's like some really cool conflicts oh. that come from that that I'm pretty interested in. I, I, I do want to finish the story. And I'm actually very excited for Black Panther. I think he looks awesome mm-hmm. you too. the voice actor yeah. for kratos is, mm-hmm. is voicing black panther which i'm all yeah for. i think I that's super that. cool mm-hmm. um i will say yeah. too uh when we were playing so when you play these missions you get we it's just you and i playing so we had computers with us just two computers and kamala was one of the computers and as we were playing i turned the corner and just kamala i think her ultimate is like she just turns gigantic and she comes around the corner and i <laughs> like literally got terrified i was horrified i didn't know that was what her ultimate was and it was just horrifying i thought she had glitched super hard and it freaked me out really bad like i thought it was in like dead space or something terrifying you know what i mean like just the grotesqueness of like yeah. the body and stuff i don't know it was terrifying mm-hmm. um anyway back to what i was playing uh lastly uh my our friends in our friend group um kept talking about pokemon unite and i didn't even know it came out and I'm not the best MOBA player, but I tried it out and I love it. It's exactly what I want League to be. Just a little baby man version of League. That's not hard <laughs> and easily digestible. I think it's perfect. And I am excited to play more. 
Um, it got me to the point where I spot like a, I'm about to buy a Hawaiian Pokemon shirt to wear to work a lot and probably get yelled at for wearing, but I'm, I'm ready for it. Like I'm super back into Pokemon all of a sudden as a 30 year old man, uh, identified man, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I think I'm just super down for it. So yeah, that's what I've been playing so far. Um, I wanted to say right now, I know this is not what I've been playing. I plan on going back to it soon, but for anyone that is a huge horror game fan or was excited by the news, I just wanted to look, he say, I am so excited for dead space remake i cannot tell you enough i keep watching the trailer i'm just so psyched i'm gonna be took me a year to beat that game originally when it first came out it was a process but i am so down to play again it's gonna be terrifying and horror games are what pushed me to be you know to go out and 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 be better than who i am in that moment you know what i mean so like i'm excited (laughs) yeah Uh, anyway i I kept thinking about dead space i wanted to say that anyway sorry about that ran Story guards, we hope you're doing okay. well, and we hope that you enjoyed our last episode of Superman 64. Really, it's Superman, the new adventures of Superman, but whatever. You know? <laughs> it should have been Superman 64. Um, and please, let us know what you think about the episodes that we have covered or will be covering by sending us an email at talesfromthecartridge at gmail.com. All of the E's are threes. You can also comment on our Twitter, Instagram. Let us know what you think, and we'll happily read those on the show no perspective, no thought, and no feeling is wrong uh, when it comes to these things. So please let us know. We'd love to talk about that. You can also, when you comment, earn yourself a free, cool Tales from the Cartridge sticker. It's the bomb. We have some holographic ones we're trying to give away. I still need to give you yours, Ryan. It's super cool. It sticks out in the best way. My, co-worker, my coworkers are like, Eric, what is that holographic sticker? I'm like, I'm not telling you because I don't want you to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> But they're noticing but they're, it, and that's exactly, what's important. Exactly, exactly. It's like, wow, Eric, that's a cool sticker. I'm like, thank you. It's from a podcast I listen to, but you shouldn't listen to it. It's not for you. But tell your friends. This is, yeah, this is an exclusionary podcast, not for you. It's one thing when it's people I don't know that listen to it, I'm all for it. But yes, let's, let's be friends through yeah. this medium. I love that. But if someone I work with, I'm like, please, for the love of God, don't listen to this. I just don't, I just can't listen. That just feels embarrassing for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, but Ryan, you have done today's script. I'm very excited for it. Would you like to announce the script that you have written? This script, this episode is going to be, and you've already, you know this because you've seen the title mm-hmm. of the episode, but it's Spyro the Dragon, a game that is near and dear to my heart. I'm excited to talk more about that in memories, but yeah. Spyro was released in North America on September 9th, 1998. Wow, I was seven. That's crazy. And this was, Eric, this was two months, two or three months after Banjo-Kazooie. Wow. So timeline-wise, they came out right around the same time. So keep okay. that in mind as we're, as we're talking about this game because there are some interesting parallels there. Uh, developed by Insomniac Games. Crazy that... Insom- Look how far Insomniac's come. Like, it is good yeah. for them. They really have persevered and become an amazing... They already were, don't get me wrong, but amazing developer. And uh, published by Sony Computer Entertainment. The producer is Michael John, a man with two first names. I feel like you can always trust a guy with two first names. Probably not true at all, but in my, yeah. my, <laughs> I'll probably leave today and meet someone with two first names and not enjoy their company and be like, well, I was wrong. Ryder was Peter, oh God, Kleiner? 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 Yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Peter Kleiner. Kleiner. Whatever. It's going into the background of the influences though. Carlos, whoa, I'm going to get this wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> crap, I should have had you read this, Ryan. You're better at reading names than I am. Carlos... Alas Alas Rocku? I think that's pretty perfect. Yeah, I think that's I think that's good. The voice of Spyro in the game was also the voice of the Chihuahua in the old Taco Bell commercials, as well as Rocco in Rocco's Modern Life. Wow, that's quite a uh, uh, repertoire of voices. Or uh, I'm trying to think of what the job. Uh, what am I thinking of? The you give it resume. To a job. Resume. Thank you. I was trying to think of rapport, and that was not the right word therapy talk um ex-police drummer and co-founder stuart copeland composed the soundtrack for the game wow that's cool I didn't know, right no, that's this is some weird influences. <laughs> yeah. clancy brown who voiced some of the dragons in the game voices mr eugene Krabs on spongebob squarepants and played captain hadley in the shod shank redemption also he's the voice of dr neo cortex and yuka yuka in the crash bandicoot franchise at the time of this game's release wow that's crazy clancy Brown or Clancy Brown, sorry, will also be the bad guy in the new Dexter season. Dexter season nine oh, that's coming wow. back. Right? He's supposedly the new bad guy. So that's yeah, he still, is. Still. He's scary, but he's cool. Yeah, you know, like he's right. could be a really. He seems like a really nice guy, but he does low key. He's played some terrifying roles. So good on him. 
Good on him. In this game, there is no female adult dragons because the lack of female voice actors. Wow. The limited higher voice cast and the lack of technical hardware that could allow the differences between male and female dragons. How far we've come. Wow. Yeah, that's How far wild, we've right? come. That's amazing. Yeah. Now everybody wants to be a voice actor, and there's no, <laughs> there's no room for it. Uh, uh, during, de during the development of the game, Spyro was originally going to be green. However, developers thought he would blend into the grass, so they made him purple instead. Additionally, they did this to make him look different from traditional dragon designs. Interesting. That's cool. And it makes sense, too. I think that he'd be... I mean, maybe be, if, it had, if he had been green, it'd be normal to us now. But just think about the two different designs in my head. I feel like purple is just the, the best option for him. Yeah. So, but no, so that's some crazy influences. Wow, this game is way more complex than I gave it credit for. Um, speaking of which, uh, from our perspectives, Ryan, you want to jump into your memories of Spyro? I remember really distinctly playing this game. And when I was um, doing the playthrough and, and watching some bits of it, some of it, I, so I watched um, both of the... Um, the reignited re, re whatever the remaster i don't oh, know what yeah. they called it the remaster and then i i'd watched some of the original stuff and like so many of even the remaster like had these really vivid moments like i remember doing these things in a very interesting and strange way mm -hmm. and this game at least for me was was very hard um i remember like sitting on my bed um my playstation was up on like a tall dresser and just like looking up at the tv uh, my playstation one um because that's what i played this on and in this like for me similar to you in like crash man or in um Banjo-Kazooie, this was a game I like played a ton as a kid. It was too hard for me. I was not, I'm was i still not very good at games. I was very bad at games then. Mm. But I, I remember getting really close to beating this game. And then um, one day my sister was watching me play. Um, and she had left the room or she'd done something. And it pulled the controller. <gasps> the PlayStation fell off the dresser and broke the disc. So I never actually got to finish this oh, game. No. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, I don't know if I could have gotten. So one of the, the caveats of this game, we don't talk about it in, in, in the story, is... There's like an ending, and then there's a true ending if you get 100% of all the things. Oh. Um, like you get all the eggs, you collect all the treasure, and you free all the dragons. Some of them are like fairly hard, especially those egg guys you have to chase is very hard and, and a big pain. Yeah, this is this is a game series that I continued to kind of follow, similar to Ratchet and Clank, although before Ratchet and Clank, and there are some similarities there as well, hmm. um, which you can see. I mean, Insomniac made both. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But um, it, it's it's a game series that I really loved growing up. Um, when I was seven years old playing, or seven or eight, whenever whenever I got my hands on it, I, I played a lot, and it is still like, a lot of the images are very vivid in my mind of, of thinking of this game. So it was it was a big part of my, my early gaming um, childhood that probably is the reason I enjoyed like Ratchet and Clank as much as I did. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's Eric, cool. what about you? I, uh, before I jump in my mind, I just want to say how far we've come in terms, I keep saying that today, but mm -hmm. the fact that probably no one anymore will ever experience that pain of someone pulling a controller cord and and stopping progress or breaking a game that happened to me so many times growing up with the n64 or even the gamecube right like you pull the cord too hard and, and it jolts the, the console and freezes everything you're like oh my god i remember one time my cousin was playing majora's mask and he's at great bay temple which if you play majora's mask you understand that great bay temple is just the worst it's it's very hard to understand like you always at least we did as growing up all the cousins and i playing majora's mask we always needed players guides to to be granted it took me forever to even beat that game so i can't pretend like i actually did it anyway uh i just one of our cousins pulled the the, the cord to the n64 uh, n64 unfortunately like too hard and on accident and it just jolted the whole system and froze everything and he had to redo great bay again it was very devastating uh, very <laughs> yeah, upsetting yeah. uh poor rip rip that rip that version of the game anyway as for memories for me i never played spyro unfortunately i didn't have a playstation one and i remember seeing spyro and thinking it looked really good um but i just obviously never got to it and by the time the ps2 came around and i got one i just didn't really care i feel like i was kind of behind in spyro and and in the n64 and nintendo games are more my jam anyway i had the ps2 just for final fantasy um so it was something i never got to and the remaster came out and i actually didn't even realize it came out um until after it came out, uh, after it went out a few months later, I realized it was out, and I was like, oh, okay, that's cool, I should try that, and I just still have not gone to it. So I'm hopeful this will, will motivate me to want to pick it up and play it, along with the other zillion games in my backlog that I <laughs> want to eventually accomplish. So, yeah. 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 But I'm excited, though. I think Spyro is a classic. I think Spyro is a game that, um, unfortunately, has gone the, the way of Crash Bandicoot, but now has like a significant, Crash has a significant revival. I'm hoping Spyro has the same effect. I'm, I'm hopeful for the people who love Spyro, you get more Spyro. Yeah, without further ado, I guess we'll, we'll jump right in.
Okay, rolling, a voice yells from behind the camera. A large purple elderly dragon leans on his staff, falling asleep, and he wakes as he starts to speak. Oh, it's been peaceful here in the five worlds. Or is it six? For a dragon's age, we now have 12,000 treasure. Or is it 14,000? What about this G-nasty, G-nork character now? I understand he's found a magical spell to turn gems into warriors for his cause. I'll take that question. G-nasty G-nork is a simple creature. Watching the interview, G-nork snarls at the answer. Triple? He has been contained in a remote world and is no threat to the Dragon Kingdom. No threat! Gnork snarls again. Rage began to build inside of him. Besides, he is ugly. Gnork throws his meal of a large leg of meat across the room in anger. Ugly! That does it! Gnork grabs his crystal staff and blasts it into the air. One by one, all the dragons are encased in emerald, unable to move and frozen in time. A young purple dragon escapes the rage of Gnorks and heads off. Huh? Looks like I got some things to do. Gnork turns off the TV laughing to himself and makes his way to the other dragon worlds so all the dragons may share the same fate. Eric, I want to stop there. We've, we've just got our brief overview. We've, we've set up the, the villain of the story. We've set up kind of what the conceit is of the story. What are your thoughts so far in this intro? Do you see any parallels to Banjo-Kazooie? Um, and again, this villain who is driven by the fact that he's called, he's made fun of, and that is kind of the, the, the base of his anger there. Yeah, it sounds like this Lin, Lindar, Lin, uh, yeah, Lindar dragon, really is the, vi- <laughs> the villain of the story. <laughs> he really pushed Gnork to, or Gnork to feel like just super ugly and unwanted. No wonder he's, <laughs> he's doing this stuff. Not to condone it, but at the same time, it's like, maybe if Lindar had just been nice to this guy, he would have left everyone alone. I think Lindar's the main villain of the story. <laughs> And that's something, as I was exploring this game, we'll talk more about that, it, it sometimes feels like the dragons are the baddies in this world. We'll see as we as we get there what your thoughts are. I'm really yeah. curious on that. But but yeah, it's kind of he just offhand says, like, oh, we banish him. He's no worry. Also, by the way, he's ugly, which, like, is just not, it's not kind. And is, is Gnork <laughs> a dragon also? What, he, is he, is he a dragon? No, he's, he's effectively an orc. They just oh. added a G at the end. He's like a tall, green creature with these big tusks. And he's like eating this giant leg of meat as he watches his TV. Okay. So yeah, yeah, he's he's not a dragon. He's a he's a, a gnork is what they they call him. And so yeah, this definitely is pulling parallels from Banjo Kazooie with um, Gruntilda. I almost forgot her name. Uh, feeling like she's <laughs> ugly too, and, and the societal yeah. norm of having to be beautiful or being attractive has led her to led her to be you know this nasty villain in the game. And I feel like the same thing with gnork. That's it's. Very interesting how ugly people are portrayed as these, you know, or quote unquote ugly people because I think that beauty is also, uh, is, I want to say relative, but um, it's all perspective based. You know, like you know how you see someone is different how someone other someone someone else might see someone. So, um, yeah, it's it's yeah. Good job, Lindar. You really screwed everything up here. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and again, this came out the same year as Banjo-Kazooie. So these are being made at the same time and released at the same time. So something culturally was going on there that we touched on in Banjo-Kazooie and still seems to be held up here, that the villains are, are ugly and gross, um, and that's how we know to hate them. Yeah. Um, which is it's really interesting. It's very interesting. Um, yeah. Um, but why don't we jump into um, the, the artisan homeworld. Okay. Spyro is a young dragon. He is the last of his kind, not contained by the Ganasni Gnork. He lives on the dragon homeworld of Artisan. It is a peaceful realm where dragons can enjoy simple lives as artists, poets, chefs, and other such professions. Spyro approaches the near assembled dragon, hoping to gleam some way to free his people from the crystal prison. He approaches what was once Nestor. As Spyro approaches, the crystal shakes and moves, trying to break free. Spyro charges the statue with his horns, freeing Nestor. Nestor stands tall, a proud dragon and the leader of the artisan dragons. He holds his hammer close as he speaks. Thank you for releasing me, Spyro. Free all the dragons in the artisan's world. Then find the balloonist. He'll transport you to the next world. What about Nasty Gnork? I'm going after him. Find the dragons first. That's all I can tell you. Spyro looks around and sees another nearby dragon encased in crystal. Without thinking, he charges and breaks it. Deblin the red dragon stands before Spyro, his large easel in hand. Where is Nasty Gnork? I'll torch him. Keep your horns on, Spyro. You have much to learn first. Do you know what the dragonfly following you is doing? Um, his name is Sparks, and he's helping to protect you. Keep an eye on him and see what I mean. 
Sparrow looks up at the small dragonfly that's been following him for as long as he can remember. It's a smile and a buzz. Sparrow knew that all young dragons were partnered with dragonflies to help keep them safe. They protect them from danger while they're still young. Sparrow continues to explore his now empty home, searching for more dragons to free. The lush green grass and golden structures feel hollow without the dragons. Spotting another dragon on a high tower, Sparrow makes his way up to the top, slowly climbing. He charges at the shaking crystal, freeing Argus. The artisan's boss is through a portal behind me. You can challenge him now, if you feel you are ready. Sparrow charges through the portal, ready to face whoever stands in his way. Sparrow enters the portal to find an orange-skined realm in a castle. The castle is full of strange shepherds and vicious attack dogs. As soon as he approaches the shepherd's point and the dogs charge, Sparrow blasts them with fire and is attacked by the shepherds with a hook. After facing countless enemies, he finds another shaking dragon crystal, and Nevin is freed. Nevin is a tall yellow dragon and the owner of this castle. He holds a paintbrush and paint in each hand as he speaks. Nasty Gnork has put out one of his most devious henchmen in charge of the artisan world. Bring him on! I think I smell a barbecue. Be careful, Spyro. This boss has many tricks up his sleeve. Spyro charges into Toasty's domain. Toasty is tall, with hunched stature. His red trench coat is worn out with a wool collar. He has jack-o'-lantern head and a large scythe. He sends out his sheepdogs towards Spyro, but he quickly burns and finishes off them before aiming his fire at Toasty himself. As soon as Toasty is hit, he retreats and sends another wave of dogs towards Spyro, who is quickly defeated before facing Toasty again. Another burst of fire, and Toasty's coat catches and burns away, revealing the true monster underneath, a sheep on stilts. Toasty again retreats, sending another wave of dogs. Spyro dodges the dangerous jaws and rams him with a horn before finally defeating Toasty. With Toasty defeated and all of the dragons of the Arsenal freed, Spyro is sent to see the balloonist. This balloon flies in the sky and towards the next realm, the realm of the Peacekeepers. Eric, that's the first boss. So okay. A little bit of a feel of the world and, and what's going on there. We've met some dragons. Um, we have a little bit more of an idea of who Spyro is. Um, what are your thoughts so far? I'm sad that Spyro had to hurt his dogs. It breaks my heart a little bit. Um, yeah. But... Also, it's a 1998 game <laughs> that, you know, and it's like yeah. anthropomorphic creatures or whatever. Or not anthropomorphic creatures, just like, you know, you have to have some kind of animal boss or whatever to fight. So it makes sense. But anyway, no, I think it's fun so far. I think it's very 1998 video game. It's much like Banjo <laughs> in that regard where you're, you know, yeah. Banjo's trying to find all the puzzle pieces. Uh, Spyro's just trying to free the dragons. It's very, you know, very linear in a sense, which is fine. I think it's cool. Um, the the All these dragons seem really interesting and it's sad that they don't go further into their stories or whatever like that but again it makes sense it's an older game so it probably wasn't ever going to happen um but no so far so good and i i'm hopeful that we learn more about these fireflies or, or the ones that protect spyro or more about is sparks is that his name i think yep, the, sparks, yeah, sparks. Mm-hmm. Learn yeah. more about sparks i think that there could be a lot of cool dynamics within that relationship it's very almost like zelda to me um in terms of like link and navi so um and i forget i think zelda came out in 1997 so i wonder if that has anything to do with that i could be totally wrong with that date though um, it certainly feels like there's some inspiration there. And I will say, um, I cut out, so each of these worlds has, you have the main world, the artisan's home world, and then there's like three other worlds you go to. And in each of those worlds, you have to collect all the dragons and save all the eggs and collect all the treasure. And then you go to the next one and the next one. And then once you've done them all, then you can face the boss. Oh. I've cut out a lot of those other bits and pieces because you're just doing the same thing over and over. Just going in there, collecting treasure, collecting eggs, and freeing dragons. Yeah. Um, but you do get, there are more dragons. There are ten dragons in total in this um area actually there might be even 12 in this whole area between those three worlds and this boss world i've cut out more than half of them and that that'll continue in each of these areas we're just going to kind of do the home world i'm going to briefly describe the other worlds and then we'll go to the boss just again because like all of these games it's really repetitive that being said just i want to preface you do learn more about sparks in those conversations you get a little bit more about like spyro's personality who we've gotten a little bit he's just kind of I'll do whatever. I'm headstrong. I can take on anything. Like though that is kind of type his personality. Um, so I, I cut out a lot of that out. So we'll get some of that, but um, not a ton. And there's just not a ton there in the in the later Spyro games. They get more into it, and Sparks even think can talk in some oh. of the later games, which is like very different. He gets like arms, and it's very strange. <laughs> um, this is more the traditional um, one. And then one final piece. I'm describing, or I've I've written descriptions for the dragons here. In the Reignited series is where you get those descriptions. In the base game, they were just like different colored dragons. Yeah. Um, but they've added some some pieces to them to make them more interesting. Oh, okay, cool. All right, that makes sense. I like that you mixed the the new with the old and kind of making it this. It's probably what they wanted originally, I'm assuming. Insomniac, Insomniac didn't do the 
reignited games, right? Obviously, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. No, yeah, when, I don't think so. I think they had a mm-hmm. different company. I wonder if they had any role in that, or you know, they described like what they wanted from the other dragons originally in the game that they couldn't probably do because of the harbor capabilities. Um, yeah, it certainly gives them more personality um, mm-hmm. from their experiences. Yeah, that's cool. I think it's awesome. And actually, yeah. your description of Spyro reminds me of a certain Lombax. Uh, mm-hmm. that, yeah. <laughs> like, very much like uh, Ratchet and Ratchet and Clank and how he first was. Not so much now mm-hmm. in the games. I feel like he's portrayed much differently. But at least in that yeah. first game that we've covered, um, that's very much what I thought he was like. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very, there's certainly a parallel there. Um, all right, let's jump into the Peacekeepers, which is the next, the next world. Okay. <laughs> The Peacekeeper's homeworld and realm is quite possibly the harshest world to live in. The homeworld itself is a desert with rocky terrains and cliff walls. Tar pits fill the land. The only sort of water the Peacekeepers get is in the form of bubbling underground hot springs, which they use to collect condensation. Various stone structures are built up from the cracked ground, though most of them are simple archways and lookout towers. The Peacekeepers make a notion not to live in their homeworld. They instead live in their militaristic lives in the seclusion of their realms. Spyro's balloon lands on the docks of the Peacekeeper's realm as he spots a crystal statue struggling to break free. Titan, the ruler of the Peacekeeper's realm, stands with his mighty battle axe in hand. Welcome to the Peacekeeper's. Spyro, look how our treasure has been turned against us and stolen. Recover our treasure, Spyro. Collect treasure. Got it. Spyro heads into the desert of the Peacekeeper's realm where he faces more armored Ganorks unaffected by his fire. He charges at them with his horns, knocking them to the ground and collects the treasure they stole. Sparrow fights his way through the Peacekeeper's realm, freeing numerous dragons, collecting treasure in each realm. He ventures through Dry Cranion, Cliff Town, and the Icy Caverns, fighting dangerous Gnorks and freeing the well-armed dragons who safeguard this place and all of the dragon realms. After doing so, he heads into the realm guarded by the world's boss, Dr. Shemp. The eclipse sun of this world gives it an eerie darkness. Large Gnorks fill the realm, armed with a variety of weapons and tools. Sparrow climbed the cliff of the realm, defeating anything that stood in his way finally entered the fortress to find another entombed dragon. Trondo stands, his body covered in battle scars, short sword in hand, his large imposing horns and jaws. He immediately starts to speak. This guy thinks he's so cool. You don't know what it's like listening to him over and over, but I'll tell you one thing, he should watch his back. Dr. Shep stands menacingly on a stone dais, a large Ganork with a metal plating covering his body and a mass staff in hand. He combs his mohawk with hand and he looks over his fortress. Without hesitation, Sparrow jumps onto the stone platform to face him. Sparrow shoots a blast to fire. Sparrow shoots a blast to fire at the figure, but his metal plate absorbs the heat. The doctor chuckles and brings his staff down on Sparrow, smacking him to the ground. Luckily, Spark is able to prevent any serious injury. The doctor turns and runs to reposition himself. Sparrow charges with his horns, but they cannot break the armor. The staff condemns again. Sparks is able to prevent serious harm, but not for longer. Sparks' color dulls and his wings move slowly. The doctor changes position again. This time, while he runs, Sparrow blasts him from behind, and the doctor falls to the ground. Another realm full of dragons freed and treasure gathered. Sparrow looks to leave this realm and head to the next. The realm of the magic crafters. Sparrow finds another balloonist who will take him to the next realm. He hops aboard and heads high into the air. Eric, that's our second boss down. Any thoughts so far? Spyro is a character, characterization. And again, we have these dragons who are kind of heavily armored individuals just kind of roaming about. Um, not only are they not helping Spyro, but they're just kind of hanging out um, while Spyro kind of continues to fight these these armored knights who are kind of holding up in this in this realm. Yeah, I had the same thought. I was like, these guys are all battle scarred and, and hardcore. And there's like this like kid dragon going around and, and, and do all the hard stuff. Which I thought was very interesting. I'm curious if there's a reason for it. I'm I'm wondering if the dragons are like I, my thought. My first thought is, and I, I, I'm probably going way too far with this with this thought <laughs> is that are the dragons going to betray Spyro or something? Are they using him in mm-hmm. some way? But I'm curious. It, we don't know why Spyro was was saved from these or prevented from have, being crystallized. Right? He just happened to be just not. Yep. Pre- but we don't know why. Interesting. Okay. As I'm I'm curious as to what what it is about Spyro that that is different than yeah. the other dragons and there are and i don't know if they had a, a bigger idea for the story there are a couple of these dragon conversations you have where they'll say uh, i knew you i knew you could do it spyro or spyro i've been hearing rumbles about what happened what what happened you know we thought because of who you were and then spyro goes what do you mean and they're like oh don't worry about it and oh. then like they don't they don't explore it too much more again in the context of this game and i don't remember ripto's rage which is the next game what the story is there um, but there is this idea that Spyro is special for some reason. Um, it's not explored in the context of this game, but Sparks um, is a, a, a pretty 
important dragonfly for some reason and he found spyro before he hatched and was like a larva on spyro's egg which is a little bit different than usually how the dragonflies and dragons have their relationships there's also something there where they're special in some way again spyro looks different from all the other dragons here um in in what he can do and what he looks like which is which is interesting he's from the artisan realm but he is in no way interested in any kind of artisan things yeah um so so there's something there i don't know if they had an idea and it just didn't happen or if like games at this time they just kind of threw stuff out there to see what would stick Mm -hmm. i don't know um but yeah it's, it's really interesting why he was spared and every other dragon, the most powerful dragons of these realms were not. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. But I mean, he's called Spyro the Dragon, so he has to be a dragon of some sort, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wonder yeah, if he's half yeah. dragon and half something else. That's my thought. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm, interesting. Super interesting. <laughs> yeah. Can you, yeah. can you explain really fast what it is about him that's, that looks different than the other dragons? Because I know, I, I know what Spyro looks like, obviously. Like, if you're a video game fan, and you, even if you've never played, I feel like you probably know what Spyro looks like. Yeah. Well, the other dragons, what, how do they compare differently? So the start is all the other dragons, obviously, are, are they're walking on two legs in most cases. Um, they're kind of more humanoid in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of them are very, fairly bland colors. They're yellows and reds. I mean, those aren't bland, but they're like a dull yellow, a dull red. Um, and they're all large. And you don't see any other young dragons in this world except for Spyro. And maybe that's just because of technical reasons. So Spyro is much smaller. He walks on four legs. He breathes fire, which we don't see any other dragon in this game breathe fire. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he flies and hovers, which I, I, the other dragons in some ways do as well. Every dragon has some kind of different wings. Um, and then his color, purple. He's very different in that way. He has spines that are different. He has scales that are like a little more detailed. Again, is that just because they spent more time on the character model than they did on these other assets of the game i don't know yeah um but but he certainly looks distinct compared huh. to the other dragons in the game very interesting that's very i'm, yeah. I'm very curious where that's coming from or what how that plays into it the home of the most magically inclined dragon species is a network of self-constructed plains and meadows connected by tall mountaintops covered in frost and ice the magic crafters world is littered with icy steps frost peaks supercharged ramps and moving platforms alpine trees of all size pools of crystal clear water dot each area and the caves built into the mountains are smooth and decorated all sorts of patterns gems can be seen here or there but the magic crafter dragons never seem too fit to flaunt their wealth the abyss below their mist is a never-ending fall though it's spelled death for any dragon but no fear the fairies here don't mind catching you and lifting you to safely Spyro lands among the frozen peaks of the magic crafter as he enters a nearby castle made of frozen ice and silver he walks to the frozen halls and finds the throne room of the ruler of this realm. But in place of Cosmos is a shaking dragon statue. He rushes to the statue and frees Cosmos. The opulent form of Cosmos emerges, their large pointed horns wrapped with gold. Their body adorned with jewels, Cosmos trolls their staff and starts to speak. Welcome, magic crafter. I wanted to release the dragons. I want you... Oh, sorry. Welcome, magic craft. Welcome to magic crafters. I want you to release the dragons, reclaim our treasure, and recover our eggs from those pesty blue thieves. Sparrow follows the advice of Cosmos, just like the last realm, and gets to work releasing dragons, reclaiming treasure, recovering eggs, and defeating Gnor. Sparrow, fir- Sparrow heads first to the high peaks of Alpine Ridge, fights the druids who have taken over the high caves, and the magic-filled wizard peak, along the way freeing his people and gathering treasure. The dragons of this place possess incredible magic power and cheer on Spyro as he works to free the realm. When he's finished, he makes his way when he finished he makes his way again to the realm of the boss of this world, a creature by the name of Blowhard. A light rain fell in the darkened skies of Blowhard's realm. The weather would quickly change as groups of green robed wizards waved their hands through the air. Blowhard's realm was full of weather controlling wizards. The light rain became a heavy hail as Spyro made his way across, defeating the wizards of the realm. Bolt of lightning crashed around Spyro as he made his way to another dragon. Altair's glasses and crystal ball shine with the same astral glow. Their entwined horns and wizard look almost distract from their strange bird-like wing. Thanks for releasing me, Spyro. You have no idea how long I've been trapped in that crystal. And n- neither do I. <laughs> Who are you again? Uh, I'm out of here. Spyro leaves the old dragon behind to face Blowhard. Blowhard appears as a green torso, complete with arms and a purple hat. He wears a witch's hat and long orange beard. His lower body is consumed by whirlwind. He floats through the air effortlessly as he commands the wind. He sends a blast of air towards Spyro, who nearly dodged it and sent a blast of fire. It caught Blowhard's hat as he dashes off with incredible speed. Spyro follows behind, gliding and jumping from platform to platform. A small storm cloud hovered above Spyro just as he caught up to the wizard. His fire breath wasn't able to break through the torrent. 
Sparrow took aim and charged with his horns, colliding with the wizard. The wizard was destroyed by his horn. Sparrow was thrown off the edge into the endless abyss below. Luckily, the fairies of this world were able to catch him and bring him back on the path of saving all the dragon world. Sparrow found another balloonist and headed to the Beastmakers. Leaving the cold tundra behind, Sparrow found himself in an endless swamp. Eric, another boss down. Um, I will say, um, with this boss and the following bosses, I added a lot of fluff to it. Because really... You, sh- you just jump up to him, blow fire on him, and then you chase him and blow fire on him again, and he just falls dead. Um, <laughs> he's, like, very easy to defeat. Um, what are your thoughts on, like, this world, like, this series of dragon worlds, and each dragon world has its own kind of niche thing that it does? Its own culture. What are your thoughts on the story? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. As I'm getting, everything has its own culture. Every dragon, even though they all seem to be the same, essentially the same kind of dragons, like species... They're all very different than each other in their philosophies and their cultures, which I think is really cool, actually. Um, what is not cool is the fact that they're totally okay with child labor and continue to let a, <laughs> a small dragon save the day when there are these powerful wizards and military dragons, and which, again, brings me back to the point, is, is it just a game trope? Because, like, obviously you're playing a Spyro, they're not going to take the game from you and, like, they beat the game for you. But at the yeah. same time, it's like, what is the mentality of this? Why wasn't Spyro... If that was the case, why wasn't Spyro designed to be older, or you know, be like maybe just like a an older dragon, but just smaller than everybody else? Like a you know, like a, just like a he's a different kind of dragon, kind of in that regard. Like he just didn't grow up as big as everybody else. Like I don't know. The point is, it just feels like everybody's just so keen on using Spyro to save their place when they're just like doing nothing. Like thanks for freeing <laughs> me. You could like, literally free me from this unbreakable crystal. Now go get everybody else. <laughs> you know, it's like what is happening here? Like why are you doing this? Yeah. So, and Spyro, I, I feel bad for Spyro. I almost like I identify with Spyro a little bit because I'm always doing things that people want me to do that I don't want to do. <laughs> so, like, am right. I no better than Spyro? I don't know. <laughs> They're all just a bunch of bums. Just a bunch of dragon bums. Seriously, yeah. 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 I'm hoping these beast makers are cooler. They sound sweet. <laughs> I have a feeling that I'm wrong. <laughs> They're not going to be any cooler. <laughs> Only one way to find out. I suppose so. I will say, just the image, I don't even want to look up what blowhard looks like no let alone his name i love blowhard let alone their <laughs> name i like blowhard's name uh just the description alone i have this wild image of what they look like in my head and i don't ever want to sabotage <laughs> what that looks like so i just absolutely refuse to see what they look like <laughs> good i'm glad the picture did well <laughs> the beastmaker dragon's home world is a gigantic swamp green and black ooze that easily traps any creature smaller than a beastmaster dragon and suffocates it. Small patches of dry ground harbor wooden huts that serve as homes for the natives, and they're connected by split logs floating in the ooze between. The horizon is shrouded by an ominous black mist, adding to the eerie feel of the realm. Torches are lit all over, providing light, and in the middle of the realm is a huge Aztec-like temple with numerous steps. Spiral lands among the sparse dry lands in the swamp. The sun is blocked out by thick rain and clouds, covering the realm in overcast. He explores the small village he lands in to fake the norks with electric traps. A small chicken slowly pecking around, he discovers a dragon statue and makes his way over. Bruno, a large dragon with wooden staff and strange horned hat, exits his crystal prison, swinging his staff and speaking. Nasty norks turn our swamp into an electrified junk heap, and it used to be so beautiful. I'm sure it was. The leader of the Beastmasters vanishes without further direction. Sparrow knows what he needs to do. Just like the realms before, Sparrow must rescue the dragons, treasure, and eggs. All while facing waves of Gnorks before he's able to face the boss of the realm. The swamps of the beast lands are full of deadly flora and fauna. After completing his goal, Sparrow turns his horns towards Metalhead. Metalhead's realm retains its original swampy look, but with the additional of large metal platforms covering the land that could be electrified by the Gnorks of the realm. Sparrow fights his way through the Gnorks large and small, before freeing another dragon. Siddiqui is a large purple dragon whose head is covered with an array of horns, a large furred staff as he speaks. This big robot's all charged up to meet you. Attacking the power pole should disrupt its power supply. Sparrow heads into the nearby castle, the Metalhead's arena. Metalhead is a large, burly robot with an almost gorilla-like build. Most of its body is large and monochromatic. His face is dark green and inset with bright yellow and green LEDs for eyes. He has a pair of yellow horns and a lavender mohawk adorning his head. The room is full of electric poles. He uses it to send energy surging through the room. Sparrow knows that no fire will work on the pillars or on Metalhead himself. So he charges Metalhead, unable to harm him. Sparrow tries the pillars, destroying Metalhead's array of conduits. Metalhead retreats deeper into the castle, and Sparrow again destroys the conduits. When the last one falls, so does Metalhead. Another world saved. Sparrow finds another balloonist and heads to the floating realm of the Dreamweavers. Eric, another one down. One left. One wow. realm left. 
So um, that was a quick one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's. I love. I just again. I mean, we touched. We just touched on this basically. Was, I love the different cultures and the different like like for when you were describing this to me about kind of the accent of the dragons in this region is more Cajun Creole. That's kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully we did it just what we attempted. Yeah, two people from <laughs> yeah. New England right now are trying yeah. Creole, but um, I, I I think it's really interesting that at least probably in the reignite, reignited version of this game, that's kind of what they're going for. That just the different. I think it's really cool. They really they really put so much effort into that to make it different and make it interesting. And I, I think that that's very. I don't know, it's very fascinating. I want to know. I'm very curious as to why they made each specific region into kind of like what it was or the the feelings behind it, and if there was like a lot of thought put into it, or maybe it was just kind of thrown all together um, haphazardly. But either way, I think it's really fun because if it was the same, I was picturing like the same kind of worlds, the same kind of dragons, but it sounds like everything's very different from each other, which is really really cool. Yeah, the the only thing I found that kind of gave some clue as to what they were thinking apparently is the Hindu caste system. Some people oh. think it might be inspired by where you have at the bottom the workers and the artisans and the, the animal handlers. Then you have higher up, you have wizards. And then higher than that, you have people who can kind of transcend the mortal realm and, and work within dreams and stuff yeah. like that. Again, I don't there, I don't know a lot of the details of the Hindu caste system, um, but there are some folks when I was doing some research said that they could be inspired by that and how they've outlined things where you have kind of these artists and creators, you have kind of the workers, which is kind of the both the beast realm, um, which is kind of the beast realm. They, they work with animals and, and they don't work with tools. And above that, you have the wizards. And above that, you have these people who they don't even deal with worldly things. They are beyond that. And they're, they're working with dreams. And that's also kind of further explored in, in the Dreamweavers. All of the dragons we meet are kind of these like ascendant monks who kind of speak kind of calmly and with this kind of peace and chill that is is, is certainly seen shown there. That's so cool. And I think it's even more so. And I, mean, I, I could be going way too far into this. Or maybe that's or maybe this is the point. What I'm noticing too is that with so many different cultures and dialects and differing regions, I'm just noticing how different Spyro is compared to all these other dragons. Like he does not fit the mold it seems like. Like you said, for the art he he comes from the seemingly the artisan world. Um, I, I believe, right? Is that correct? I think, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. But he doesn't seem like an artisan at all, or doesn't get that type of architect, um, or just kind of doesn't. It doesn't seem like he's that kind of, of dragon. So, but each person he goes to, I think he. I feel like he has different like aspects of maybe that, col- that quality, or maybe that quality of culture. Um, but he's just kind of in his own. He's like a league of his own in a sense. Like he's just so different than the other different dinosaur or I said dinosaurs dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious if that's intentional or not. So, Yeah, it's really interesting. And one thing I want to make sure I point it out is, again, I cut out a bunch, probably another 10 or 12 other dragon interactions. In most cases, it's just dragon says this, Spyro says something, quick be back, and then dragon responds. But again, you get a little bit of characterization there. And because some of that has been cut out, some of that characterization is lost. Hopefully, you're still getting that Spyro is kind of arrogant and hot-headed and, mm-hmm. and kind of just doesn't really care he just wants to get to the next fight or get to the next thing but just kind of keep that in mind that some of that is lost when we when i've cut out some of that and i I haven't put some of those pieces back in so um just just keep that in mind before we jump into the last of the the last of the worlds here i think it's yeah i think it's it's something that's hard when you write these scripts i think is that when the games do become repetitive it's really hard to to make that context known to the listener you know because you're you have to you can't make it boring because it's the point of the story if you're gonna be bored by it you know you have to kind of do something with that repetition whether you whether it's just getting rid of it or somehow making it interesting but it's also very very hard to do that so i think it's just a necessary evil sometimes but yeah all right let's check out these dream weavers dream weaver (laughs) (laughs) that's probably where this came from This core world is home to the elusive Dreamweavers, the creators of Dream and the swarm enemies of Nightmare. Living atop a series of floating islands high above the clouds, the Dreamweavers have built elaborate castles and temples on the grassy knolls, as well as crystallized structures for resting, playing, and practicing their arts. Many pools of water confusingly fall up instead of down, swirling in circles where they collect. The sky is a plethora of colors, changing constantly with the clouds as they pass by. Sparkling funnels of air carry passengers to each island safely watch out for the fools. Sparrow lands among the mystical realm of Dreamweavers. Crystal paths and floating castles are all around him. The place is overrun with Gnorks and Gnasty's minions. Sparrow gets to work cleaning them up. We found a crystal prison with Latif, the leader of the Dreamweavers. Latif balances on her tail, angelic wings spread up behind her. 
as she sits calmly looking at Sparrow and speaks. Welcome to the Dreamweavers, young one. While chasing the nasties minions in this world, you must expect the unexpected and prepare for what is not there. Latif vanishes in a glow of light like all the other rescued dragons, and Sparrow continues the task of freeing the final realm from Ganasti's control. He makes his way into the dark passage, a maze of carved dark marble corridors filled with strange transforming creatures, then into the Lofty Castle. As with all of the Dreamweaver worlds, Lofty Castle is a gigantic, beautifully carved white and gold monument floating atop various lushly decorated levitating islands. Sparrow's final destination before the boss realm is the Haunted Towers. The Haunted Towers realm is another marvelous castle of the Dreamweaver's world, with blue and white and gold stones to create their homes. The Haunted Tower is more like a comfortable getaway than a site for paranormal activity, though the bumps and strange noises in the castle at night beg to differ. Spyro frees all the dragons, collects the treasure, and secures the eggs from the realm, and all the other Dreamweavers before making their way to the boss realm to face Jacques. A twilight-filled sky of Jacques' realm, a collection of volcanoes which hold small grassy islands filled with Ganasty's minions, usually to stop or slow Sparrow down. In order to ascend, to face Jacques, Sparrow must defeat the scared clock fools who hold power in the realm to raise the platforms for him to proceed. After making his way to the entrance of Jacques' castle, a crystal dragon sits. Revillo, a large, lanky blue dragon seemingly made of wool, bursts forth from the statue. Any advice before this battle? Advice? Hmm... A wise dragon once told me, aim high in life and watch out for flying boxes. Uh-huh. The terrifying visage of Jacques stood before Spyro as he bounced up and down. His green tooth grin and clawed hands curled, inviting Spyro forward. As Spyro approaches, Jacques spun around and threw presents towards Spyro. Spyro hesitated and the box exploded, dazing him as Jacques escaped deeper into the castle. Jacques threw a volley of presents at Spyro who was finally able to catch up and shoot fire towards him. Jacques screamed and retreated further away, continuing to throw presents as Sparrow tried to dodge them and catch up. Sparrow closed the gap, leaping past the boxes, and burnt Jacques to the ground. With Jacques defeated, there was only one place left to go, the Ganork Ganexus. Sparrow heads into the final balloonist and towards the Ganasty Ganork. Eric, another boss mm. down. We're almost there. Any final thoughts before we get to the Ganork Ganexus? This is almost what... And unless they explain it at the end, this is kind of what I almost had wanted. Not to not to bash the game. I love the story so far. I think the story is very digestible and very easy to follow, and I like that a lot. But I almost wish this was kind of the mindset of what the game was more of. Like the fact that Spyro is saving the monks from the Gnorks makes sense because they're monks. So they're probably not gonna, unless they're like fighting monks, but it sounds like they're not because. <laughs> yeah. uh, Revillo, Revillo yeah. is made of wool. <laughs> so, like the fact that he's, you know, I doubt it doesn't seem like he's going to be someone that's a powerhouse, um, and he doesn't have to be. I think that's what's really interesting about this one specifically. This this world makes sense as to why Spiral should be there to save it, because the other ones seemingly can't probably won't be able to do that. So, I like this world probably the most so far because to me it makes the most sense. I, I don't. Do you think I'm off base? Do you agree with that? Like, no, I, I completely agree. It, it does not make sense. Now there are a couple theories that I've heard of that we can talk about at the end of why Sparrow isn't being oh, helped, okay. but I don't think they hold a ton of water. You have to kind of buy into them and like look things through a different mindset. And again, maybe oh, they like talk that. about it more in Ripto's Rage as we get into the next games. But I don't. I don't know if they do. I know in the later games, Spyro becomes not just one among a bunch of dragons, but the only dragon in certain situations, which then also oh. makes more sense. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk about some, some theories I found at the end of why this is all happening. But yeah, it, it, you're right. It does not make sense why Spyro is the one saving the dragons after you know, the second world you went to. Well, maybe it makes sense for the artisans because they're not fighters. But the second true, world true. you went to are fighters. Like That's their whole culture is the yeah. warriors. So why aren't they help fighting the, fighting the Gnorks? Why is it only Spyro who's fighting or even the magic users? And it, it, like, it could have been very easily solved by saying like, that as a group of dragons, we vowed not to harm, you know, beings because we're so powerful. Where Spyro's like, well, I don't care. Um, I'm going to save you fools or something like that. Something like yeah. that would, would bridge the gap, but I, I, I don't know if it's there. Or maybe like through Spyro's actions, it leads to more chaos because he didn't follow through on what maybe the, the, the peacefulness or, you know, maybe there's some cosmic, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Would, that would be very interesting if Spyro's actions, which are seemingly heroic and good, are actually going to be a detriment to the dragons as a whole. That would be super that interesting. That would be really I cool, like right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. he's like this headstrong guy going and saving the dragons and 
not understanding what, what he's messing up or something. That would be really interesting, yeah. Yeah, that'd be mm-hmm. super interesting. Ryan, if that doesn't happen in this game, because I don't know what happens at the end of this thing, we got a game on our hands. I know, Gabe? we sure do. Gabe Newell, <laughs> you have your Steam Deck. Well, do we have a game for you? Spyro it's called... 2. <laughs> it's called Not Spyro. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Even better. Even better. <laughs> Gnork Genexus and its realms are strikingly different from the rest of the realms. All of the dragon realms before this relied mostly on magic, but Ganasty's world is a more technologically advanced realm, featuring most metal in any realm. TNT, harbor, ships, machine guns, commandos, wrenches, lighthouses, and oil platforms. Sparrow landed in this strange and dangerous place, a large circular platform with two massive dragon heads, and the portals to two realms are found here. In the center of the platform is a shaking emerald dragon. Sparrow charges, knowing there can only be a few dragons left he hasn't freed. Deblin, the red dragon from the artisan realm, with his large canvas, stands before Spyro. Hey, didn't I already free you? You're in Ghastly's world now, Spyro, and you are the dragon that must defeat him. Bring it on, I'm ready. Reach the exit in each of Ganasty's lands, then you can challenge the Ganork himself. Spyro fights his way through Ganork Cove and Twilight Harbor. All of the Gnorks in Gnork Cove wield tools and throw barrels and bombs at Spyro, trying to slow him down. Spyro is determined to defeat Ganasty, and these Gnorks won't stop him. As he fights his way through this realm, freeing Latif and Thomas again, they both cheer on Spyro as he heads to the Twilight Harbor. Orange sky above, Spyro makes his way along the industrial coastal realm and frees Cosmos and Cletus, two more dragons he'd freed before, and clears this realm. Spyro lands beneath the purple sky of Ganasty Gnork's realm. He lands in the middle of an arena created by Ganasty, who snarls immediately and throws barrages of green beams of energy at Spyro. He dodges the beams of energy and charges at Ganasty, who laughs and the platforms to allow Spyro to closer and falls back deeper into the castle. Spyro gives chase as Ganasty moves through lava-filled chambers and hallways, hoping the dragon will fall to his death. Spyro keeps up and glides from platform to platform. He can feel the heat of the lava below. Ganasty arrives at a dead end where he begins to charge up his staff and turn Spyro into crystal like all the others. And Spyro charges toward Ganasty. The beam of crystal energy flies toward Spyro who rolls to the last moment before slamming into Ganasty, dropping him to the ground. The massive weight of Ganasty's staff falls, dealing the final blow as he disappears in a puff of snow. <laughs> You're toast, Ganasty. <laughs> Back in the artisan realm, we see Sparrow flying through the air. Sparrow lands and dons some sunglasses as he looks into the camera. Sparrow the dragon, you've defeated Ganasty Ganork and collected all the dragon eggs, saved all the dragons, and recovered every bit of treasure in the, in the dragon kingdom. How do you feel? I feel pretty fired up, Bob, and I'm happy the dragon world, of course. I certainly won't want to spend the rest of my dragon days button heads with Ganasty Ganorks and his weird minions. What's a minion? Uh, never mind. You know what they say, for every good battle, you need a good adversary. And I felt that Ganasty, in spite of his misguided nature, was a worthy opponent. Behind him, a dragon is turned to crystal. Uh-oh. Here we go again. The end. <laughs> <laughs> After all that saving, and someone's turned into a crystal again. Yeah, it's, it, it reminded me of Superman, right? Where you get to the very end, and then yeah. just the bad stuff happens again. Maybe, like, undoing <laughs> all of this work that you just did. <laughs> so you can only only celebrate so long until something bad happens again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so funny. I just love how I love how Spider like, oh well, it's just happening again. Okay, let's do this again. You know, like it's just so. I'd be like, are you kidding me? Like, I just did everything. I gotta do this crap again. I was like, yeah. No, is this is this right? Is this like the hundred percent ending? So this this, this is the hundred percent ending. So in the not hundred percent ending, you do the interview and he says, how you feeling? You've saved all the dragons, uh, or sorry, you've saved all the dragons, and you've defeated Ganasty. What are you doing now? And he's like, well, I still got to go rescue a few eggs and get all the treasure, because you can't, like, get to the final treasure until you've gotten all the eggs and the, all the dragons. So, oh, okay. and, then it, and then it just, like, cuts to, then you, like, are back, thrown back in the world to go get all the things. And this is, like, you've gotten everything, credits roll. Um, so okay. that's the only difference. It's not like there's, like, a better ending if you get everything. This, this is the good ending, apparently. <laughs> so the, the dragons don't turn into crystals if you don't get all the things? Just... Yeah, because, um, yeah, like, they don't turn into crystals because your journey isn't done yet. And then once you do right. everything, that's when you get this ending and they turn to crystals. Which, okay. Yeah, so. Interesting choice. That is a yeah. very interesting choice. Yeah, very strange. This feels like Banjo-Kazooie somewhat, this ending. <laughs> like, when they yeah. just sing on the beach randomly, like, what is happening? Why you... <laughs> what is this? Yeah. I'm glad that, like, a, a, a scantily clad, I was giving me a photo for saying that. Um, <laughs> 
person doesn't come out of a bathing suit like in Banjo Kazooie to give yeah. a drink to characters. <laughs> I'm glad Spyro is a little bit more tame than that. But yeah, um, yeah, super, super <laughs> interesting. So none of the things that I was hoping they touch on were touched on, unfortunately. Nothing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I did enjoy. It. I think it's a game. I, I think if I can get more motivation to like, I think I'm hopeful. If in some context we do know that more things get touched upon and explained from this first game, mm-hmm. it'd be one I would want to go through and kind of do the whole series more. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting, though. Very interesting. No resolution. <laughs> Spyro was just kind of a... Forever trapped in this loop of... <laughs> yeah. 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 He loves it now. In 20 years, he's like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> right. right, right. Oh, um, but no, but, yeah, go ahead. We also have this, like, Spyro saying more and being more eloquent than he has in the rest of the game. The rest of the game, he's just kind of like... Yeah, let's do this. I'm going to beat up everyone. And now here he's like, I'm fired up, Bob. I'm happy the dragon was safe. I think what he was doing was a little misguided. But you know what I mean? Like, we get this, like, totally different side. It's a spiral that's just very strange. It's like a celeb. And it has Bob in it. And is Bob only in the beginning and end of this Yeah, game? so Bob's at the beginning <laughs> interviewing. So, I, yeah, I don't, I don't quite fully understand, so, but. A little bit of, like, Mario 64 in that regard. Because you have the Le, Pika, Le, Le Pika, something like that. The, the, the. Creature that follows Mario with the camera behind him the whole game that justifies kind of the angling. Um, that's what Bob is, it sounds like, for this game. Which I think Mario actually came out before Spyro. Yeah, sure, so, so one of the things I did read, and I didn't mention it in the background and influences, the this game, Super Mario came out in, I think, 96 or 95 yeah, or something like so. that. I think 96. Yeah. The developers of this game saw Super Mario and like, oh man, we want to make a cool 3D game like that. So like this was PlayStation's attempt at that at super mario 64 yeah it was like a direct one-to-one um same as same as banjo kazooie yeah remember um rare saw mario 64 yeah. and they were like i want to do that and they scrapped their project and started all over <laughs> yeah well, mario 64 is was huge. way more influential than mm-hmm. i ever gave it credit for like that yeah. is that is huge yeah it's way way more interesting seemingly than all our other episodes <laughs> just also that's a whole other topic yeah uh, no one seems to want to tell us more about for some reason so it's like an inside it's like all the story girls know like, they're on the inside like don't tell them anything about Mario 64 because they want to know as much information as possible is why we like yeah. it they're all withholding like, it from us yeah yeah, but not to not to go on a tangent about Mario sixty four. Spiral, I liked it. I think, I mean, of course, it's a nineteen ninety eight game, so you're not mm-hmm. gonna get a whole lot of story. Yeah. But I think overall, it was a, it was a really fun game. I love the diversity and the cultures of the characters that they added into it. And again, I wish I knew if it was more intentional in the original game, and they just couldn't really like bring it out a whole lot because of the technology yeah. at that time. Um, but I think it's for what it is as a series I can see why people loved it so much especially back in 1998 I can imagine why you know if we take the idea of Banjo-Kazooie and Mario 64 I think that that's kind of why it, and like you said Ryan for those who only had a Playstation 1 this is their attempt at Mario 64 for those yeah. who didn't have that game so that's probably really significant they, they, you know for many people it's probably their first 3D platformer quote, mm-hmm. I mean is Spyro considered a platformer would you say yeah I would say it's, yeah. it's considered a 3 platformer and like super after Super Mario 64 I don't know if storygoers like I don't know how old they are but like Every game that came out in the late 90s and early 2000s was like a 3D platformer. There was like yeah. so many, like Jack and Dexter, the original, was a 3D platformer. And yep. all, Ratchet and Clank, you know what I mean? All of these games were just trying to capture what, and I'm sure there's a bunch on um, Zelda N64. And, yeah, yeah, that, that yeah, like Super Mario 64. <laughs> yeah, that, that yeah. was like the catalyst for all of these things, which is just so wild. That's crazy. That's it blows my mind. Mm-hmm. That's just how influential that game is, the yeah. Mario 64. But I think, I think Spyro sounds like it sounds like it did a good job for what it was. Yeah. Like, I mean, it had many games. I think, well, I, I actually don't know off the top of my head how many games it had there's after the first one. Ten. There's ten games. Wow. Um, I was going to say four, so I was way off. <laughs> yeah, and they, the yeah, and so, like, there's the Spyro games, the Spyro, original Spyro trilogy, which is this one, Ripto's Rage, and I don't know what the third one, maybe the Year of the Dragon. And each of them, like, added new mechanics and got more interesting and, and, and went on. And then there was, like, this... I, and I didn't play after those three games, but there was, like, this shift, and now Spyro, like, looks different, and the mechanics of the game are different. I do remember there's, like, things with, like, animal powers and animals and stuff like that that I, I don't fully remember. Like, there's more... You meet other animals. You're, like, the only dragon in these other worlds, and they're really interesting oh. and wild. Um, and then, um, more recently, although I guess this isn't that recent anymore, is the... Um, 
Skylanders. Skylanders, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is like the Spyro world, um, and Skylanders takes place in that, which is also kind of really interesting. So um, that is then another iteration, and Spyro looks very different in Skylanders than he does in like these original games. So, And there's a bunch of DBA games and other stuff like that out there. Um, but yeah, I think there's 10 in total, um, like Spyro wow. games, which is wild. I think I've only played, although I say I only played three or four, but maybe I've played more and I just don't remember them. I'll have to, it, like Ratchet and Clank, this is another one of those series that I kind of played pretty regularly whenever they came out, um, because, mm-hmm. um, that's just what PlayStation had to offer, but. You said that Spyro had GBA games as well? I believe so. I believe there was Game wow. Boy Advance games. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, because, like, they're, they're Sony owned, like, that's. Right, I'm assuming it was made by a third party. Um, yeah. That, like, they got the rights to put it on GBA or something. I'm pretty much positive there's GBA games, um, because I think I remember the, the, there were 2D, I thought. But, yeah, um, I'm sure. I like you're right. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure some storygoers will let us know if, if we get that wrong. <laughs> we'll see. But, um, but yeah. Oh, the, the theory, the, the fan theory of why yeah, this yeah. is all. Okay, so, again, this is just some random person's trying to put together the nonsense like we are. But their thought was... <laughs> um, Every, supposedly, and again, this isn't referenced in the game lore at all, every dragon has to go through, like, some kind of trial. And so Gnasty Gnork was in on it with all the dragons. And that's why Sparrow wasn't frozen is because he was the one who had to go through this trial to kind of rise up and become the dragon he was going to be. And that's why all the dragons didn't help him. They gave him some advice along the way to kind of, and, and like, they put themselves in precarious positions before getting frozen into crystal so that Spyro would have to, like, go through a bunch of stuff to get there. But yeah, that was the theory, that all the dragons and Gnasty Gnork are in on this trial to kind of, like, put Spyro through this test to become a true dragon and, like, figure out where he fits in the world or something like that. Oof, if that is the case, I really feel for Gnasty Gnork, because I feel like he was <laughs> yeah. the true hero in this. Right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. And, and that is, I mean, it kind of makes sense in a sense, in a way, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and, and and the thing is, like, Gnasty Gnork, one of the things I was, I was watching is, like, not only is, he, like, the reason this all happened is because he was insulted, but also, like, he has, like, if you go to his world, he's, like, so much more advanced and industrially forward than the dragons. Um, and, like, so when he, in the swamp, he started installing all this, like, metal and building a fortress there, which the dragons were like, no, get this metal stuff out of here. But he was just really, like, building their infrastructure. Um, yeah. and, they're, and stuff like that, where if you go to his realm, like, the Gnorks you're fighting have, like, wrenches. Like, they were workers there, and you're, like, going into their realm and destroying them. Um, so that another interesting context to all that. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like a lot of... If this theory were to be true... <laughs> a lot of people put themselves out there to get hurt just to help a little dragon prove himself, which yeah, it's a choice for sure. It's right, it's a choice. Right, um, not sure why he gets a special treatment compared to other people. Um, yeah, the workers like God, man, we got to help another dragon test themselves. This sucks. <laughs> I just like I got a third degree burns last time. I don't want to do this again. You know, like what are they getting paid for? Like, what's the health insurance like? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. it's very interesting. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's, that's, that's one theory. Um, I'd love to, if other people have any ideas or no, I would love to hear it. Um, yeah. Who knows? Who knows why? If, sorry, guys. That's Ryan's challenge for you. If you mm-hmm. have another theory as to why Spyro is the way that it is, story-wise <laughs> or character-wise, or you're going to call it, let us know by emailing us at talesinthecartridge at gmail.com. All of the E's are threes. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. Comment on our posts. Let us know what you think. And we will be happy to read those on the show. You would also earn yourself a super sweet Tales from the Cartridge sticker. Could be normal. Could be holographic. Either way, you'd be the talk of the town. <laughs> Don't quote me on that one. Um, also, if you wouldn't mind, if you have some you know, five minutes to spare, if you can rate us on Apple. Uh, I guess it's, it's not iTunes anymore. Apple it's Apple Podcasts. Podcasts. Yeah, the Apple yeah, Podcast yeah. app. Yeah. If you rate us on Apple Podcasts, uh, if you wouldn't mind giving us a far summary, that'd be super duper cool of you. Uh, and let us know what you uh, like or what you think we can improve upon, because we'd be happy to do that. We want to make this as fun as, and enjoyable as possible. And literally any kind of words really do motivate us a whole lot. Like, more so than we can ever really say. It sounds cheesy, but it's very true. Like whenever we get someone that says, tells us anything, whether it's a critique or a, a positive comment, it really does charge us up and, and helps us to continue forward. Not that we need the help or anything like that. But yeah. <laughs> anything helps yeah whatever yeah okay 
<laughs> but Ryan, you did great on a script. This is thanks. Fantastic. Yeah, Thank it's, it's so a fun. Much. It was really fun to go back and relive this experience after so so long. Where, like I said, there are like these visceral moments where I remember doing some of these levels and trying some of these things, and uh, it was fun to go back and check them out again. Do you think I'll ever play it again? I don't know. Watching the Reignited trilogy, it, it looks fun. That being said, it's like all the games that came out in the late '90s. You're just collecting stuff endlessly. And, yeah. and that isn't as satisfying as it was when I was, you know, nine and ten years old. That being said, I, I play, yeah. obviously play games for, like, Destiny, which is effectively just collecting <laughs> things game. Um, so maybe I'm wrong there. <laughs> it's different, though. Spider doesn't have a gun. He's it's not... It's true. You know, he's just shooting fire, which I guess you kind of do in Destiny maybe a little bit, but, I mean... Yeah, depending not on the same stuff, though. Not the not same. same. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's it. That's, that's Spyro the Dragon. I hope you all enjoyed it. Oh, I'm sure they did, Ryan. I'll keep for the story goes now and just say, but I mean, granted, just let us know your comments, though, of course. But, you know, don't worry, story. I got your back. You know, Ryan, you did a great job. <laughs> Thanks. Well, we hope everyone is doing well. Ryan, we hope you're, I hope you're doing well. Thank um, you. I hope you're doing well as well. I hope you have a good week coming up, mm -hmm. as always. Uh, story goers, hope you're happy and healthy and doing well, of course. Uh, again, let us know what you think and how you feel. We'll be happy to read those on the show in the future. And until next time, we will see you in our next episode. Bye. Bye. Woo! Dreamweaver. <laughs> <laughs>